What do you get when you give an Easter Bunny socks? A sock hop. There are Jews in the world. There are Buddhists. There are Hindus and Mormons and then there are those that follow Mohammed's but I've never been one of them. How's your faith these days, Father? so big so absolutely huge do you think maybe he's compensating for something <laughs> jesus fucking christ yeah what do we learn i don't know sir i don't fucking know either hello thanks for listening to this podcast I'm Ducky, or Gus, or Papa, I don't care what you call me. I would like to welcome you if this is your first time listening. And if it's not your first time listening, welcome back. I hope you subscribe. I hope you stick around. Find me in the link below for everywhere I am. And I hope to see you there. And I hope to see you next week. This is Easter. It's pretty big time. We skip out and jump to a different section of the Gospel of John for it this week. And it has a lot to say. A lot of things going on. So I guess the only thing we can do is get to it and jump right into it. What you say? Let's go. gospel this week is from the gospel of John chapter 20 verse 1 through 18 early on the first day of the week while it was still dark Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the tomb so she ran to and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple the one whom Jesus loved and said to them they have taken our Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went to the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who has reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, but he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting there, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head, the other at the feet. They said to her, Women, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. 
when she had said that she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I am not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God, your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. I once heard a story about a young man named Philip. He was born with Down syndrome, and even though he was in his 20s with the intellectual disabilities he was also diagnosed with, he attended a third grade Sunday school class since he was in his teens. In one year, several of the eight-year-old boys and girls, typical of that age, didn't really accept Philip and his differences. And because of a creative teacher, they began to care about Philip and accept him as part of their group, though it didn't seem to be quite complete. The Sunday after Easter, the teacher brought pantyhose containers, you know, the kind that look like large eggs. Each child received one, and they were told to go outside on that lovely day and find some symbol of new life. Put it into the egg-like container, of course. Um, Back in the classroom, they would share new life symbols, opening the containers one by one in surprise fashion. After running about the church property in a wild confusion, the students returned to the classroom and placed the containers on the table. And surrounded by the children, the teacher began to open them one by one. After each one, whether flower, butterfly, leaf, or even just like a seed, the children exclaimed, Ooh, ah, it was pretty cool. But then one was opened, revealing absolutely nothing inside. And the children exclaimed, Well, that's stupid. That's not fair. Someone didn't do their assignment. And that's when Phil spoke up. Well, that was mine. Philip, don't you do anything right? The students retorted, There's nothing there. I did so do it, Philip insisted. I did do it. It's empty. The tomb was empty. Silence followed. And from then on, those that class had compl- just totally accepted Philip as one of them. And unfortunately, it was the 90s and people with Down syndrome kind of had a life expectancy that was pretty low. And he had gotten sick. He uh, 
succumbed to an infection that most normal children and people could have shrugged off, but it wasn't his fate, and he died pretty young. At the funeral, this class of eight-year-olds marched up to the altar, not with flowers, but with their Sunday school teacher. And on that simple coffin, each one laid an empty pantyhose egg. Mary Magdalene and the other women rose from restless, sleepless beds, gathered together their own ointments and oils and perfumes they needed to anoint the crucified body of Jesus. He had been hurriedly thrown down into a borrowed tomb without being anointed for burial, and their plan was to arrive early and perform this task. Their silhouettes moved toward the tomb, and they carried within them sorrowful hearts. Each step towards that beaten and tortured body of Jesus was difficult to take, but this was a job that had to be done. None of them were thinking about the many times Jesus had said that he would arise from the dead on the third day. There was no mention of that hopeful or joyful moment in this trek. Their heavy hearts simply guided their heavy feet toward the heavy duty through the heavy fog in their minds. I'm sure they had planned to have the soldiers roll away the stones so that they could get inside. They didn't feel the men would deny them that simple ritual, but as they approached, something was wrong. That stone had already been rolled away. The women ran the remaining yards and peered inside to see an empty tomb. We can only imagine at that moment, with his prophecies of rising from the grave, that they would be forefront in their minds. But it wasn't. Mary dropped her bundles and ran towards where she knew, where she knew John and Peter were hiding from the crowds. Her news was simple. It had nothing to do with the resurrection. It only had to do with the fact that the tomb was empty and the body was gone. There's no recognition in her mind that, as Jesus predicted, he had been risen from the dead. So John and Peter raced in the room where they were hi- from where they were hiding. Fear of the high priests and religious leaders or the scribes wasn't in their hearts. I mean, for Peter, he was usually driven by his anger. And it was probably just another indignity that the regis- that those asshole religious leaders would use to add insult to their injury. He ran hard, but that, this, that other disciple was faster. By the way, I just want to ask, does anyone else get the wink, wink, nod, nod with the whole John thing, like the most beloved disciple? How come he's not mentioned as like an apostle, but the disciple that God, that Jesus loved the most? It, was, uh, it just feels weird. Anyway, back to the story as such. Uh, John made it to the opening of the tomb and looked in. And then Peter came second, didn't stop, and just dove into that gaping hole in the rock. It was only after Peter was already in that John followed, or the disciple that Jesus loved. They saw no body, but he did see 
the grave clothes that their master had been wrapped in, laying neatly on the cold stone resting place. And they just stared. The scripture tells us that the disciple believed that neither understood what that sight truly meant. We just know that John believed a miracle. What we're not sure, but we know simply that he believed. And after the two left, Mary Magdalene appeared again at the tomb. When she looked into the tomb, she saw two angels clothed in glorious white robes and threw her sobs and tears. And one asked her, why are you crying? And again, it's the same question that the man standing behind her asked. Mistaking him for the gardener, she begged of him to tell her where they had taken his body or if he had taken it, right? She's sobbing hard. Her tears were filling her eyes and matched that with the early dawn and the low light. She was blind. She couldn't see who she was talking to, but she was asking the right question. Where have they taken his body? In another second, she would have had the answer in the most miraculous of ways. Because Jesus called her name. And in that moment, in the midst of all the greatest sorrow and the most intense grief of her life, her emotions transformed into the most astounding joy. For me, Psalm 30, verse 5, becomes an experienced reality for Mary. It says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. For truly her weeping had lasted through the night and during her first trip to the tomb. But at that moment, all sorrow, grief, pain, all fear and depression, lifted instantly. And joy came in that morning. Now we all know joy. And we know it isn't a constant state of emotion, but we have wonderful periods of it. Maybe it came at your wedding or when your children were born or the birth of a niece or nephew. For a grandparent, it's that special joy because you know the season of complete spoiling is when you can send them home. And trust me, I've been on the better end of that send the kid home and the look in my dad's face is the most excellent of all joys but now I digress for the Christian it may have been the moment that Jesus became your savior and you felt your sins washed away in the spring of new life maybe it's when you helped another seeker cross from death into eternal life we've all felt joy that's the point And for Mary, this must have been an uncontrollable joy. She wanted to grab him, to hold him, to weep at his feet with those burning tears of joy. But at that point, Jesus had not gone on to his father. So he cautioned her not to hold him. But we know Mary was filled with joy. Jesus later appeared to Paul, uh, Peter, And the other disciples, minus Thomas, who was out for beer, 
You can imagine their fear and remorse in Peter's heart before Jesus before Jesus' appearance. Peter denied him three times. He had sworn that he did not know Jesus. He had let Jesus down. When called upon to give testimony that Jesus was the Messiah, Peter turned his back. He denied he knew him and walked away. He had compounded that sorrow and remorse that was eating at his soul with guilt that was burning it up. Many Christians understand this feeling. There are plenty of times when we have turned our backs on our faith and on our Lord. We went along to get along. That could even have been the reason you started on your Lenten journey this year. You know how Peter felt, and he had two fears in that day. One, that Jesus would not appear to him, and the other was that he would. Suddenly, Jesus appeared in the room. At first, they thought he was a ghost. Luke 24, 41 tells us that disbelief was due to another reason. And while they still did not believe, it was because of joy and amazement. He asked them, do you got anything to eat? Their reaction to seeing Jesus was both joy and amazement. So he proved it was all real with physical action of eating. Or he was hungry from being dead for three days. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, chapter, uh, verse 6, that Jesus appeared to 500 followers. He appeared to Thomas. He appeared to many, many people with one unified reaction, joy. And joy should be our reaction today as we celebrate Easter. The disciples saw Jesus and they were filled with joy, yet Jesus holds a special blessing for those of us who have experienced his reality, felt his power, embraced his grace, and received his love. John 20, 29 says, Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. The message of resurrection is a simple one. Jesus came, Jesus died, and was buried, and then rose from the dead. You are either one who believes with seeing him, or one who does not. As Jesus said, Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. The Lord is risen. He has risen indeed. Amen. I want to thank you again for listening. Uh, It really means a lot to me. I certainly hope you enjoy it. And if you do, subscribe. Uh, Find me in all my other links that you see in that one link. There's everything there. There's Twitch. There's uh, Facebook, Twitter. I have a merch shop that I put up. There's a website I barely work on. I should, like, get better at that. And plenty of more places to listen and engage with me i'm happy for it let me hear what you have to say don't forget to give me five stars and a subscription and you know you can also choose to 
support this podcast. And if you feel like doing that, more information is in the link provided below. And as always, take care of each other. Love each other. I'll talk to you next week. Peace.